Hi, everyone. Just a note before we start. Due to a series of ridiculous circumstances, I had to record the first half of this week's podcast in my bathroom. I was fully clothed, sitting in my empty bathtub with all my recording kit around me. Quite the scene for you to imagine as you listen to the show. But what that means is I'm an idiot who didn't realise that that would make the audio very echoey. So the first hour, there we have a few audio issues, but hopefully you will be able to get through those. And by the second hour, everything is sorted out. Keep listening. And I promise I will never record the podcast lying fully clothed in my bath ever again. Okay, on with the show. Dirty pop. Hello, pop lovers, and welcome to the 2000s chart show, the only show dedicated to celebrating the music of the 2000s. One UK top 40 at a time. You know, one of these days we will actually uh, create a theme song. Instead of how you go about that, I'm a music appreciator, not a knowing how to make anything musical person. But that's fine. We are here to celebrate the music of the two albums, and particularly June 2003. So let me take you back to that time. So this week, 20 years ago, on the 11th of June, Channel 4 announced that Brookside, its long-running Liverpool set soap, was to be cancelled. And the following day, on the 12th of June, the final episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer aired in the UK. This is really a time when the last kind of icons of the 90s are kind of fading out and the 2000s, as we're soon to know it, come in. And you can see a little bit of that on June the 10th, on which In 2003, the Spirit rover began its mission to Mars, or its mission on Mars. Not sure, didn't read, but basically we are heading into the future. We are only five years away from Facebook, which, if that isn't enough to put chills in your very soul, I don't know what is. But for now, let's stay in 2003 with a song that has somehow crawled its way back into the top 40 after a few weeks off of it. This is Love Doesn't Have to Hurt by Atomic Kitten. this week in its 10th week on the chart so love doesn't have hurt by atomic kitten just one of the 40 songs we are talking about this week still to come there's music from melanie c shania twain and evanescence and also coming up we're talking the best girls allowed lyrics we're discussing one of the most awkward interviews in top of the pops history and we're revealing once and for all what shakespeare would have thought of one true voice but let's talk about love doesn't have to hurt one of two songs this week that had their chart run had gone to the place where you go after the top 40, I don't know, Celebrity Big Brother, and now have come back into the top 40, which is a great shame 
because looking at the chart, the fact that Atomic Kitten got back in the top 40 stopped a song called Fever for the Flavor by the band Hot Action Cop from getting into the top 40. So why, obviously, ACAB, I am intrigued by the very notion of the Hot Action Cop, so we might have to play a bit of that for you now. Do you have a fever for the flavour after that? Not sure I do, but good for the hot action cop. One thing that I learnt, looking at Love Doesn't Have to Hurt by Atomic Kitten this time, is that it was written by Susanna Hoffs of the Bangles, most famous, of course, for their songs Manic Monday, Walk Like an Egyptian, and Eternal Flame, which, as any pop lovers out there know, gave Atomic Kitten their second number one. So obviously that led to Susanna Hoffs getting an absolute boatload of money and she thought she might repay the favour by giving them a track that she originally recorded in the 90s for an album that was eventually shelved when the Bangles decided to reform. Susanna Hoffs' loss is Atomic Kitten's gain there, even if I would say that isn't one of their strongest singles. You ask me what their strongest single is, it's Be With You, but I know that's a controversial opinion for all you Hole Again fans out there. Talking about songs that became controversial despite themselves, this is Britain's first Nilpois Eurovision entry at 39, down from 15 last week. Gemini with Cry Baby. but good and I think undeserving of Nilpois. Although if anyone remembers the performance, they famously did sing it not well, but I think the song itself is fine and certainly better than that era of Eurovision when we were just putting people who'd been on The Voice through. That was a dark time. I mean, even Andy Abraham could get like one point then. Gemini deserved more, but as it is, this is the last time I imagine we're going to hear them on the top 40. So say goodbye and say Hello, amazingly, I think for one last time, to Junior Senior at 38 with Move Your Feet. They were at 38 last week as well, but they've hung on for one last week, meaning that they have managed a pretty amazing 15 weeks on the UK Top 40. One of them is gay. We love that. Here's Move Your Feet by Junior Senior. Question mark band junior senior. We have moved our feet for the last time, so now we will do the entire show standing very still as a tribute to junior senior. So, junior senior making its mark on the chart, followed by a song that has been pretty much forgotten. And no shade to Sonique, but 
maybe that's for the best. Because this song, Can't Make Up My Mind, her first track from her second album, just doesn't deliver on the same level as those. And that's probably why, in its third week in the chart, it is at number 37. Nice try, Sonic. credit as i that's the third time i've listened to that song and it has grown on me a little bit but it still isn't on the same level as well certainly it feels so good her first and so far only uk number one but maybe i've been too harsh to you sneak but i haven't been as harsh as the record paying public were to your album which i believe got to 174 in the charts one artist i wouldn't mind her albums totally bombed because i lived through 2001 in which their middle-of-the-road music was everywhere and totally unavoidable. And when you were like a pop-loving eight-year-old, hearing this kind of Rod Stewart impression just wasn't fun. Here's, at 36, down from 21, also in its third week, Madame Helga from The Stereophonics. They're trying their hardest to be kind of fun and rocking there, but we know you forever as the band who did have a nice day. Nice try, Stereophonics. I'm still not a fan, which leads in the way that all of these awkward segues to into number 35 from a band that I have absolutely no time for to a person that society seemed to have no time for, and I think unfairly. So at number 35... This is a new entry for Yoko Ono with Walking on Thin Ice. Walking on Thin Ice is the song that John Lennon was working on the day that he was murdered outside of his home in New York City. In fact, when they found his body, he was clutching, apparently, a tape of the final mix of the song. So it's a song intimately connected with John and Yoko, and so Yoko released it after John's death as a tribute to him, and it made number 35 in the UK charts in 1981 and so 22 years later it is back in exactly the same place in a fun little chart coincidence because in the time since Yoko Ono has become an unlikely club girly in the early 2000s a lot of her songs had done well on the US dance charts after being remixed by various cool house producers and so this song is no exception, and the version you're about to hear is remixed by the Pet Shop Boys. So we'll talk a little bit more about Yoko Ono, but first let's hear what the Pet Shop Boys could do with Walking on Thin Ice. <laughs> What's this say? 
Yeah, that's right. It kind of rules. And actually, Yoko Ono kind of rules. Forever known in pop culture as the woman who, quote, broke up the Beatles, as if they needed any help doing that. Since she honestly has just kept doing her thing, releasing her weird little albums while her husband was releasing bad rock and roll covers albums, she was still making interesting and avant-garde music. And then as the 2000s came, she just was like, I'm going to be a chart girly now. Got a 35 hit. Took all of the nightclubs in New York by storm. I saw her perform in 2010 and she was great. Yoko Eno is great. We need to start standing her as actually kind of in the same way that we all stand Courtney Love as this kind of like deranged widow. Yoko Eno deserves that respect from me as well, especially if you listen to those dance remixes. You can't tell me you don't want to do poppers to that song because I know you do. And actually, it's funny. Yoko has another link to this week's chart because I don't know if you know this, but she actually did a cover of Move Your Feet by Junior Senior. Yeah, no, it's true. Shout out to Yoko Ono, who obviously we know listens. She loves the UK's top 40s of 2003. She was a big Mystique fan, actually. Yeah, her and Alicia were going to do a thing, but it didn't really work out. Anyway, 34, down from 28, fourth week on the chart. Mr. Red, DJ Scribble, everybody come on, brackets, can you feel to walking on thin ice at a club but i guess if that came on it would do wouldn't it number 33 seventh week on the chart former number one from busted and you said no about <laughs> crashed and burned i saw mcfly just outside of my work and let me tell you those boys have aged like a fine wine they look very very nice uh whereas busted i think have aged more like kind of an old biscuit like you could still eat it but it's a little stale sorry charlie james and matt talking about stale though thank you 32 this is our second song back in the top 40 after much time away this was at number 65 last week and they've managed to crawl their way back i don't know whose car boot is full of cds but he is speechless by d-side So this song, okay, 
this has been out of the chart for a month. It's been at 45, 68, 71, 65, and then back at 32. I have tried my hardest to find out how something like that could happen and whether there was some sort of like D-side single sale where they were selling them off cheap. I don't know. I've been able to find nothing. So maybe D-side just people decided that they wanted a little bit of that, which I guess I understand, or at least I thought I understood, until I saw a picture of D-side in an issue of Smash Hits from this time 20 years ago. I don't want to be rude to other people's attractiveness, but... I didn't get it. I'll read a tweet that I saw this week that just I thought of instantly when I saw D-Side. So this is from the Twitter user at number nine angel. Are you a real boy band if you don't have two members who make your pussy fall off, one bearded dad, and one who is a layer of ugly you never thought possible in human DNA? That was kind of my experience of uh, looking at D-Side there. Sorry, guys. Maybe... This is the beginning of a D-side renaissance and they are now going to start climbing their way back up the chart again. Unlikely, but weirder things have happened. Weirder things like me seeing Confidence Man play Heaven by DJ Sammy and then 10 minutes later seeing Lisa Scott Lee play Heaven by DJ Sammy at Mighty Hoopla. What an excellent segue to number 31. Down from 24 and it's fourth week lately by Miss Lisa Michelle Scott Lee. Craig David and Sting with Rise and Fall. Planted by all the pretty girls I see. I'm beginning to lose my integrity. Sometimes in life you feel the fight is over. Over. But it seems as though the ride is on the wall. Yeah. Superstar, you finally made it. But once your picture becomes tainted, it's what they call. That was a little medley of songs that we have talked to death, basically. All good songs, but what more is there to say about the Bangra Knights, who aren't real knights, and aren't Bangra, in fact. They're all white and from Belgium, I think. We all love them. We love every song on the top 40, except 
feeder and chewing brakes. Number 27, a new entry here from Ashley Hamilton with Women. That's W-I-M-M-I-N apostrophe. I searched that title on Google and it gave me the dictionary definition. Non-standard spelling of woman adopted by some feminists to avoid the word ending men. Maybe Ashley Hamilton is proving himself to be an incredibly progressive feminist. I'm guessing by the fact he's just releasing a song called Women, he isn't. But I have to say, I have not heard this song yet because it's not on Spotify, I don't think, and it's not on Apple Music, so I wasn't able to find it. So when I play it in a few, I will be hearing it for the first time along with you. So that's fun, isn't it? Yeah, that's fun, fun. Talking about fun, some fun facts about Ashley Hamilton first in the song Women. So Ashley Hamilton, I'm afraid that is a Nepo baby alert because he is the son of George Hamilton, the American actor. And also at this time, he was the stepson of Rod Stewart. I don't know whether Rod gave him any help in this song, but I do know that this song is co-written by Mr. Robbie Williams. Him and Ashley Hamilton had previously teamed up to write the song Come Undone, which has been in the UK top 40s that we've been talking about for the last few weeks, but has dropped out of this particular one. So the rumour about how Ashley Hamilton met with Robbie Williams was that they found each other at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, although it must be mentioned that Hamilton has denied that that is the case. He told Contact Music, I keep reading that Robbie and I met through Alcoholics Anonymous and that's so not true. We just met through a random friend in LA and he asked if I wanted to write and I said sure. We went out and had some coffee and dinner and talked and laughed and then women came out. I don't want to steer your career in any way, Ashley Hamilton, but I'd probably go with the Alcoholics Anonymous story because it's actually an interesting story we could peg a profile on you about rather than a boring story that no one cares about. So that's a little tip for Ashley Hamilton in 2003. Let's hear the song together now and then I can tell you live what I thought about it. Okay, it sounds a lot like the androids do it with Madonna, actually, which you can look back to previous episodes to hear us talk about that. Definitely, I was right that it isn't the feminist anthem that the name suggested. If your daddy didn't love you, let me give you validation. Nice tits, nice ass, no class or conversation. I like women. I go women every Friday. I like to get my feet wet, my teeth wet. Is that a cunnilingus thing? Just get really wet teeth. Don't know, it's not my uh, area of expertise. Pretty misogynist, isn't it? So there we go, 27. This was that time where Robbie Williams was just 
would randomly try and launch the career of some random no hope singer songwriter. This is of course after Jonathan Wilkes much made fun of for hanging around Robbie Williams all the time and the two of them kind of giving no homo bro vibes. Which these are actually weirdly perfectly on from one homoerotic couple to another, both of which seem to be playing up their gayness for the cameras. Who else could be at number 26 than Tattoo with Not Gonna Get Us? Tattoo, down from 14 in its third week there, so definitely not matching the success of all the things she said. But I'm glad to have another week to talk about Tattoo because their story is so fascinating. They began, actually, I didn't know this before, as members of a children's music group. But then one of them was kicked out for smoking, swearing and drinking, allegedly. Although this has been denied and the bands people have said that she just simply aged out of this group this kind of bad girl image was pushed forward to tattoo the name is a shortened version of the phrase tal ubitu meaning this girl loves that girl before it got into the gay dictionary forever by being Lorene's eurovision winning song it was tattoo the fake russian lesbians throughout 2003 the pretense that they were lesbians, was kept up. On the 12th of December 2003, so a Christmas gift for pop fans there, the documentary Anatomy of Tattoo aired on Russian television, and it was that that revealed that the girls were not really lesbians and that it had all been a kind of clever publicity stunt. This led to them having to issue a statement apologising to their gay fans in 2007. It read, When Tattoo's second album came out, many of our fans of alternative sexual orientations thought that we lied and betrayed them. This is not true. We've never done that. We've always advocated love beyond boundaries. That's certainly true of one member of Tattoo, but they have very much taken opposing positions since leaving the band. So there are two members of Tattoo. This is Lena and Yulia. And so on a Russian TV talk show, Yulia said that she would refuse to accept a gay son. Yes, I would condemn him because... Russian, if you were wondering. Because I believe that a real man must be a real man. God created man for procreation, it is the nature. The man for me is the support, the strength of, I won't accept a gay son. Happy to milk gay listeners for as much as she can, but not happy with a gay son. And so this led Lena to release the Facebook post saying, I am seeing some comments lately regarding my position about LGBT and my religion. I can say one thing, God is teaching us to live in love and be tolerant and not to judge other people. And I do so. Love is love and it is a wonderful feeling. I think everybody should be free to love who they love and be with who they want to spend their life with. Now, I personally kind of hate the message, love is love, because I'm like, no, there's something actually unique and special about queer love, but I guess I'll take that 
from Lena. I intend to fight back against Julia by being my gayest possible self while listening to Tattoo because I think she'd hate it. And I love that. So from one iconic European female duo of the noughties to another, the number 25. So we say goodbye to Julia and Lena. We say hello to Monica and Gabriella. Here is Down from 17 in its fifth week. Take your shoes off. again to Katie Doherty's fascinating extensive interview with the Cheeky Girls. This interview answers a question that is fundamental I think to this podcast. It's always something I'm thinking about as I'm preparing it is that what do you do after being in the top 40? You know it's easy if you're like Mariah Carey or a Spice Girl then life after the chart is always going to be pretty good but if you only had kind of you know you made some bad business decisions and you only had kind of four or five hits you probably don't have enough money to live on. And so you presumably have to go back to normal life. This interview with the Cheeky Girls reveals that that's exactly what Monica and Gabriella Cheeky did. So this piece says that six years ago, and this was written in April 2022, so this is 2016, Monica retrained as a car saleswoman. After a pal told her of a vacancy, she now works at a BMW showroom in Lincolnshire. So if you're ever in the, in the market to buy a BMW and you live in Lincolnshire, you may have the great benefit of getting sold it by Gabby Cheeky, which would be incredible. She says, the odd fan does still spot them on the garage forecourt, but Gabby says, I just say, no, I'm a lookalike, and they are like, oh God, you really look like her. So Monica, also now working in car sales, she trained as a makeup artist, a lash technician. She worked for Boots Number no. 7 until six months ago when she followed Monica into car sales. She said, I'm doing really well. And she later added, my only worry is in the showroom making sure customers are happy and my lipstick is in place. So Cheeky Girls seem to be having a good post-fame life and we love that for them. And so let's leave them selling BMWs in Lincolnshire and move on to number 24. Down from 20 in its seventh week, this is DMX ex Gone, give it to you for at least another week there. Still a good song. Still makes me think of that KFC advert with the chicken that was just being a chicken that everyone was very angry about because how dare you feature a real chicken in an advert for chicken. That makes us think that we're eating chicken, which as a vegetarian, I have no sympathy for, obviously. But this is I'm not here to omit vegetarian propaganda. I'm here to talk about the goddamn UK top 40 from 20 years ago. So that's what we're going to do with two new entries in a row here, starting at number 23 with Now It's On by Granddaddy. Yeah, a band that, unless you're really into kind of American indie, you may not have heard of. 
if you ever listen to or if you ever watch Charlie Brooker's Screenwipe, you may know, I think, I think it's called their song AM180, which was the theme tune for that. But you probably don't know who Granddaddy are. And actually, this is crazy. I'm amazed you didn't know this, but it's actually your granddaddy singing a song. Yeah, he, um, he'd always wanted to be a musician, but then, you know, had your, had your mum and then, you know, that kind of actually ruined his life. So he finally, once you grew up, he was able to get rid of the shackles of his family life. And he was finally, he popped in a Werther's original and he thought, I'm going to be a rock star. So he did. And this is, so this is your granddaddy singing the song, Now It's On. not. Granddaddy is an American indie rock band from Modesto, California, formed in 1992, and not your grandfather. No offence, by the way, to anyone's grandfathers. Uh, I grew up without any grandfathers, and yet you can't tell at all that I was totally without male role models, can you? No. So, yeah, moving <laughs> straight on from that classic bit of laid-back American indie rock, and to another group who are kind of legends of Naughty's American indie. This is Kings of Leon with Red Morning Light at number So this was the lead song from their EP, What I Saw, which is actually what's charted at number 22. So that featured the songs Red Morning Light, which you heard there, Wicker Chair and Talahana Sky. Kings of Leon, a band who have had much bigger success in the UK, actually, than their native US. This is the first of their 12 top 40s. And of course, they had one number one with this song, Sex on Fire, my favourite song about spontaneously combusting dicks. Again, this is part of this thing that we've been talking about for the last few weeks, about how British indie was at such a low point at this time that we were desperate for anything that was vaguely upbeat or exciting in the indie sphere. So this album, Youth or Young Manhood, sold a million copies in the UK and only 100,000 in the US. So clearly indie fans just desperate for anything, even if it was these kind of bearded, po-faced, Jesus freak, rock cliches that were the Kings of Leon. Interesting band. The more you read about them, the more they just seem like deeply weird guys. So here's some fun facts about the Kings of Leon, culled from various fun facts about the Kings of Leon articles. What do you mean? You're not reading those all the time? You're lost. Okay, so firstly, all of the Kings of Leon go by their middle names. So singer Anthony is known as Caleb, drummer Ivan is called Nathan, Guitarist Cameron is known as Matthew, and bassist Michael is known as Jared. So, of course, they are three brothers and a cousin of the Followill family. In their teens, the Followill boys threw parties at their dad Ivan's house. When Ivan demanded that the party was over, he put jalapenos in the microwave, 
The fumes burned people's eyes until they vacated the premises. That's what I do, by the way, if I'm at a party and anyone puts Kim Petras's coconuts on. Just put the jalapenos straight in the microwave to get that to end. Another fun fact, when he was three years old, Jared would jump up on the arms of the sofa and clasp the lock of the front door and climb up onto the neighbour's roof. Jared was also known around the neighbourhood for riding his scooter naked. I'd wear a t-shirt so I wasn't completely naked, Jared said. I'd be casual but naked from the waist down. Of course, aficionados of only wearing a t-shirt know that as Winnie the Poohing. Your cock is flying in the breeze but you are, your nipples are well covered. This needs to get naked in public may have been down to the very religious mandate that the boys grew up under. Their father, well at least the father of the three brothers, was a Pentecostal preacher I believe. That meant no movies, no music except church music, no what is called mixed bathing with girls. So, I mean, I don't think I did that much mixed bathing. I guess my mum probably put me in the bath with my sister a few times, but that one I could get, I could get by with. No competitive sports. Oh, I mean, this obviously no music or no movies would have been hard, but not having to uh, bathe with women or do competitive sports sounds pretty good. And no short pants even while water skiing. Yeah, I'd be happy with that too, actually. So, yeah, maybe I would be a good follow wheel. Some fun facts about the Kings of Leon. And as they get more hits on the chart, hopefully we can learn more about these fascinating, weird guys. By the way, just a rhetorical question to listeners out there. Kings of Leon, sexy or not? Don't know. I thought sometimes I think yes, sometimes I think no. But someone who I definitely think is a sex icon is at number 21. And that is, of course... Rave Bono from Love Inc. That isn't his real name, but if you've looked at the Love Inc. single cover, he has those Bono glasses, kind of two man buns, one on either side of his head. Very into him and very into this song. Down from 16 in its third week, this is Broken Bones by Love Inc. Wow, there seems to have been a pop emergency around Broken Bones by Love Inc. It's disappeared from the iTunes store since the last time I recorded, so maybe he's heard. Rave Bono has heard the things I've said about him and he's like, I'm not having him talk about my songs anymore. I feel very objectified. But it is still on Spotify, so I can still listen to you if I want. Rave Bono, you can't stop me. just about to head into the top 20 so it's time to as ever look at what's to come i don't have the some of the big hitters that we've had in the last few weeks but let's just say next week there's some big songs coming up so keep an eye for those let's look at some of the songs coming up this week so a few weeks ago we heard girls allowed no good advice their second single and this week we're getting the second single from the band that was established as a rival to Girls Aloud, One True Voice. And this is the forever mocked song, Shakespeare's brackets, way with, close brackets, words. Their song about how a woman is so beautiful that they wished that they had Shakespeare's way with words to perfectly encapsulate her beauty. I know you're shocked that One True Voice don't have the, the capabilities of Shakespeare, but... 
That's what they said themselves. Girls Aloud with their second single got to number two. Can One True Voice match them? Or is One True Voice about to go silent? Going against them is Melanie C with her second single from her second album, Reason. This is On The Horizon. Emma Bunton had a her single, Free Me, last week get to number six. The Spice Girls will tell you that there's no rivalry between them, but I'm sure there is, so Melanie C will certainly be hoping for a number six or above. But to do that, she will have to beat Marilyn Manson with his song Mob Scene, a song we won't we won't spend too much time on because of certain things about Marilyn Manson that we will discuss later. But he is certainly he had the biggest hit of his career so far previously with his cover of Tainted Love. So he's kind of weirdly a chart act at this point, and so he could very much have it what it takes to get into the top ten again. To do that, he will have to take on the woman who may be actually the polar opposite of Marilyn Manson, and that is Shania Twain. She is back with her ballad Forever and For Always, a song that seems ready-made to be the background of adverts. It's kind of a very easy-listening, non-distinctive song. And in fact, it was the subject of an incredible advert that we will talk about later. But we know the UK charts are full of songs from adverts that do amazingly well in the charts. Most famously, Mr. Oizo's Flatbeat, which got to number one in the 90s. But also on this chart, the Bangla Nights versus Hussan, of course, is from a Peugeot advert. So that's a good sign that Shania Twain will be doing well in this chart. The new entries this week, and there's, you know, no big hitters maybe apart from Shania Twain, but what a variety of things. And that continues with Evanescence with Bring Me to Life. So this song was part of the Daredevil soundtrack in February 2003, and they've just been slowly building up time and anticipation in all the time since. It's now finally coming out in June, so will that be enough? to get it to number one. Already, it's had three weeks on the chart at 79, 60 and 64, but they're giving it a big push this week. We can see if that's going to pay off and get it to the top of the charts. And then our penultimate new entry of this week is Gay Bar by Electric Six. They had a huge UK hit with Danger High Voltage, one of the best songs ever, and one of the best videos ever with the light-up crotch and breasts. Gay Bar had an equally interesting video, kind of homoerotic Abraham Lincoln set of circumstances. It remains to be seen whether Gay Bar is a homophobic song or a song that we as gay people can embrace. But this is all stuff that we can talk about after our new entry at number 20. This is Io with At The End. On the, uh, the right record, the right CD, and it's the same thing with fragrance. I mean, you just... You know, it's great to have a choice and pick it whatever scent you want to to reflect your mood. Scent stories. Push play and you're wandering barefoot on the shore. And so if that all wasn't crazy enough, Shania also did her own scent stories, quote unquote, CD, which included five different scents that conjured for her spring in scent song i think i think it deserved to be higher than number 20 io are a new york city-based dance music act made up of singer nadia ali and record producer marcus moser nadia was working for versace in new york when a co-worker introduced her to marcus who wanted a female singer for a project he was working on originally io was called vio v-a-i-i-o 
named after the laptop that Nadia used to write lyrics on. That's actually, incidentally, why I was going to call this podcast Battered Old MacBook. But I did decide on the 2000s chart show in the end. They later dropped the VA from their name. Their label basically said, that's a one-way ticket to get sued. So they became IO. If that name sounds familiar, imagine at the end, not going to be ringing any bells. But what may ring bells for IO is the song Rapture. Yes, their number two hit in 2001, making it, of course, the other La 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 song from 2001. In the song Rapture that thought, until very recently, that the lyric was, Me, I'm horny, don't you know? Me, I'm horny, don't you know? When looking at the lyrics... Now I realise it was me amore, don't you know? Which, honestly, worse lyric. That was a bad decision from them. And what also was a bad decision is that they were totally unable to follow up on the momentum of Rapture. That got to number two in 2001. And this is their first UK chart hit since then, two years later. That may explain why, despite being a pretty good song, Ayo's at the end is at number 20 this week and is, in fact, the last we will hear from Io on this podcast. Goodbye to them and hello to Radiohead at number 19. They had a big 15 point drop this week. They were at number four last week. This is kind of what happens with bands that have massive kind of cult followings, but not necessarily that much like mainstream appeals that all of the big sales happen in the first week as people try and get up the chart and then it kind of falls away afterwards. We'll see a lot of this with rock bands as we go along, but this week it's happened to They're There by Radiohead. This week that that song was used in a TV license advert for the BBC, which Radiohead forced the BBC to drop TV license ads. Or there's no there, there, there in the TV license ad, if you see what I mean. 19 was Radiohead, and at 18, in its sixth week, Tom Craft with Loneliness. Loneliness, of course, a former number one single, one of the lowest selling UK number ones of all time. And following it is a former UK number two at 17, 
girls aloud with no good advice. One True Voice has crossed the tiny hurdle of doing better than Girls Aloud in their fourth week in the chart, although it still remains to be seen exactly how much further up the chart One True Voice has managed to get than Girls Aloud. But No Good Advice, certainly in my opinion, a much better song than Shakespeare's Away With Words. And part of that is because of its amazing lyrics, which we will get to in a second. But first, let's hear a little bit of No Good Advice. S Club 7, who are at number four this week, with Say Goodbye and Love Ain't Gonna Wait For You. We talked about Say Goodbye last week when it was at number two in the chart. And this week we're going to talk about Love Ain't Gonna Wait For You in a large part because that was the song they played on Top of the Pops this week. And it's a very funny performance because it's so obvious that Joe is singing live and everyone else is miming. So let's hear a little bit of that as to celebrate this song. What other band would give you a lyric like, I don't need no special fix to anaesthetise me? Yeah, that may be the first time the lyric anaesthetise has ever been used in a UK top 40. Although that isn't my favourite line on No Good Advice. My favourite comes at the end in which the following immortal words are spoken. No need to count those dirty sheep. A classic Girls Aloud lyric in a way. Nearly all of Girls Aloud songs are produced by the production house Xenomania. What Xenomania were basically known for is taking a load of bits of other songs, kind of really jamming them together. It always makes amazing songs, but it also sometimes can feel like the lyrics are basically weird phrases kind of just stuck together that don't entirely make sense as a song. For example, the song Biology, you could pay me hundreds of thousands of pounds and I would not be able to explain to you what the song Biology is about. And the line, no need to count those dirty sheep, is no different. No need to count those sheep makes a lot of sense. Of course, I sleep very easily because I'm kind of confident in myself. I'm not stressed. I don't need any good advice because I know exactly where I'm going in life. I have no anxiety about it. Fine. Why the sheep dirty? Why? Obviously, we know why. It's because the phrase no need to count those sheep didn't scan with the line, so they had to add two more syllables. It's like, does she have to count the clean sheep? But she has no need to count the dirty ones. Adding that line makes the entire line brilliantly meaningless. And so, in tribute to that, here is our top five most brilliantly meaningless Girls Aloud lyrics. So at number five, no need to count those dirty sheep. Why are they dirty? We'll never know. Number four, I'm shaking like a cool lemonade. That's from Long Hot Summer. Again, we get the idea. We're talking about a long hot summer. They're drinking a cool lemonade. But why is it shaking? Why? I've had it pitched to me that it's because it's the lemonade is so cold that the ice cubes are shaking. I guess that's the case. But why is she shaking as well? It's like we just, we just had this image of, I don't know, Nadine lying on a beach mat. Just liquid going everywhere because this lemonade is vibrating and she's vibrating and it's quite the image that the more you think about it just unravels that's number four number three there's a blackjacks running down my back from the song blackjacks what blackjacks of course being the most disgusting sweet ever invented the combination of licorice and aniseed 
We haven't had that awful a combination since Craig David and Sting. What the hell does it mean to have blackjacks running down your back? Reminds me of once when I held my friend's pet mouse and it just shat all the way down my back. That's what I would describe as blackjacks running down my back. But I've been told that that apparently means that you're getting goosebumps. How? Blackjacks are black, unlike goosebumps. They're square, unlike goosebumps. They taste of licorice and aniseed, unlike goosebumps. No, I think this is some weird sexual thing that people are doing. Buying a bag of mixed Bassett sweets and then just tipping it over your head in an erotic frenzy. Maybe that's what the song's about. And if it is, I respect that. We do not kink shame. Number two on the top five meaningless girls allowed lyrics. We're gift wrapped kitty cats. That's animal abuse, for one. In fact, this whole that whole love machine bit is uh, great, isn't it? So your calls late, big mistake. You got hang around in limo for as long as I take. Makes sense. You're making the guy sweat because he didn't call and he said he would. Next time, read my mind and I'll be good to you. It's kind of quite sassy. Then, we're gift-wrapped kitty cats. We only turn into tigers when we got a fight back. Do cats turn into tigers? Why are they gift-wrapped? Are we giving them as a gift? Is it because they're like sassy women in nice clothes, I guess? If I had to speculate, would be what it is. But just the image of a little tabby covered in wrapping paper. Brilliantly meaningless. And then let's go Eskimo out into the blue, it continues. Sure, why not? Great. Love, love these lyrics. And then number one in the top five most brilliantly meaningless girls allowed lyrics. What else could it be? You could write like thousands of words about all of the implications of that, couldn't you? I've been told that it's actually something kind of ooh, jumping on my toot toot, which the person said to me as if that explained things. It's like that only makes it more complicated. At least a tutu is a physical thing. What is a toot toot? Someone else said it's about a guy's dick rubbing on your skirt, which, yeah, I guess actually that does make sense if it's tutu, but if it's something kind of ooh jumping on my toot toot, it's like what, some guy like grinding on your ass maybe? But then calling your ass your toot toot is like what you would call a baby's ass if they were kind of farting too much. So it's not really sexy. Anyway, long story short, Girls Loud Derek's bizarre but brilliant. We love them. We're looking forward to talking about their many UK Top 40 hits. But for now, we will leave Girls Aloud with their no good advice and move on to number 16. Down from 12 and it's 13th week. So it's not even in the bottom half of the chart and it's been there for over three months. 50 Cent in the club. Go, 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 Charlie. It's your birthday. We gon' party like it's your birthday. We gon' sip a party like it's your birthday. And you know we don't give up because that's your birthday. You can find me in the club. Bottle full of bub. Mama, I got what you need. If you need to fill the bars, I'm in the habit. So come give me a hug. You're in the getting rough. You can find me in the club. Bottle full of bub. Mama, I got what you need. Of course. In 2003, you would find me in the club as well. That's right. The Beano Club. The club that every child I know seemed to be a member of and which taught us the valuable lesson that any child who loves poetry or anything remotely artistic deserves to be hit with a slingshot. A fundamental truth of the noughties there that we just took as normal and definitely didn't have any impact 
on anyone at all in the way that they considered masculinity. There you go. A transition from 50 Cent to the Beano. What other podcast is giving you that other than the 2000s chart show? So let's now bring the conversation about the Beano to a stop with a (laughs) stop sign by Abs this week at number 15, down from 10 last week. Abs there, that's of course Abs, then with an S, now with a Z, because he didn't want anyone to keep comparing him to a six-pack, which is great, and that's why Abs with a Z sounds nothing like Abs with an S. Problem solved there, mate. That, of course... <laughs> I say, of course, like anyone but the most deranged people remember this. It's from the album Abstract Theory. Very funny. He knew that he needed a title that had the word abs in it. I wonder how many versions they got through before they got to Abstract Theory. One of the oddest titles of 2003. They could have gone for Absolutely Great Songs. That would have been my recommendation if I was working on Abs record label. Wow, a man can dream. But I'll tell you what is not an abstract theory and is a cold, hard reality. And it is that our next new entry at number 14 is Melanie C with On The Horizon. Her people are almost certainly likely to have been disappointed by that 14 placement. But also a really unfair placement, I think, because I think On The Horizon is actually a pretty good song that deserved better. And of course... A person who agreed with me on that was my queen, Smash It's resident pop reviewer, Serena Lacey, who at the time said, Get that summer feeling. There seems to be loads of mean and moody tracks hitting the charts at the moment, so it's always good when a ray of sunshine pops up on the stereo. Mel C brings us that sunshine courtesy of this song. Say hello to uplifting guitars, catchy beats and a stupidly sunny chorus. Poppier than her last offering, this is Ace. With another hit beyond the horizon... I get what you're doing there, Serena. Another hit beyond the horizon, because the song is called On the Horizon. But that feels almost sarcastic now that we know it got to number 14. Perfect summer picnic music there. I'm recording this after a weekend where the Britain hit 30 degrees and if it, I had listened to On The Horizon in that weekend, I would have felt much more summery than what I actually felt, which was hot and irritated the whole time. So at number 14, Melanie C, quite a humiliating chart position for her, especially because she is charting behind Free Me By Emma, which is in its second week on the chart. It's kind of funny because I think we consider Mel C as having the best of the Spice Girls solo careers in terms of sales. And yet this is actually her second track to have not made the top 10. Also, If That Were Me got to number 18 in 
2001, I think. And I mean, on that one, to be fair, that song deserved to miss out in the top 10 because it is a kind of classic, dire, wealthy pop star talking about homelessness dirge. Yeah, it makes Another Day in Paradise by Phil Collins seem like the most socially conscious song ever written. Could you ever forgive my self-pity When you've got nothing and you're living on the streets of the city But the humiliations didn't end for Melcy in 2003. She might see Love Sweet Love on the horizon, but I see her next song charting at number 27, which is even worse. And is even ruder because I think that song, which is Yeah, 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 is also a great song. So I don't know what the record buying public was thinking in 2003, but they were certainly not thinking of Mel C. And if that all wasn't humiliating enough, this week, 20 years ago, someone has very graciously gave me access to a lot of old Top of the Pops episodes. And in the episode from 20 years ago, they very awkwardly force Emma Bunton and Melanie C to do an interview together in which they kind of talk about the fact they have no rivalry. But there's so much awkward laughter that you don't really believe it, to be honest. Well, we are getting on now. I know. Cracking on. <laughs> no baby anymore, you know. <laughs> Je ne regret rien. Is that correct? <laughs> it's a bit of French. <laughs> oh, lovely. Oh, yes. Mm. Um, no, absolutely not. I think, you know, we're both sitting here now. We're doing very well with our little solo careers. Yeah. And I think, you know, we both would admit that we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for everything we achieved with the Spice Girls. So I think absolutely. I'm very grateful for that. And I think we're, ha- we're really happy. I'm very proud as well. I'm very proud. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> very interesting episode of Top of the Pops, actually. We'll talk about another great moment from it later on. But it actually does feature Mel C calling out the... British record buying public for not giving her enough of a chance as a solo artist and I really do agree with her there so one thing that surprises me is that um, there hasn't been so much success from all of us because I think we came from such a phenomenon I think everybody really deserved to have a fair chance in the music industry as individuals and I don't think that we were given we were all given that chance that sounds like royal blood at the recent radio one big weekend where they called out the audience for not being appreciative enough and everyone kind of read them online but mel c she she's able to carry it because she's an icon forever it's up to all of us listening to give on the horizon a play this week and finally let's turn around its fortunes and make it a kind of well-liked song again and so if mel c is one of the nicest people in pop music number 13 is allegedly one of the Least nice people in pop music. 13, a new entry for Marilyn Manson with Mobscene. That's lowercase m and capital letters, obscene. Yeah, clever wordplay there. Just as you thought, the elephant in the room that was R. Kelly was bad enough. Now in walks Big Rhino that we're not going to draw attention to. I'll just give you a brief reason why we're not going to get too deep into Marilyn Manson. So this is from a recent news piece. In a lawsuit filed on Long Island, New York on Monday, the singer Marilyn Manson was accused of childhood and adult sexual abuse, sexual battery, assault and molestation. The suit, which alleged Manson first targeted the unnamed plaintiff when she was 16 in 1995, came less than a week after the singer, whose real name is Brian Warner, reached a settlement with the actor Esme Bianco, who sued him in April 2021 alleging rape and sexual battery. The suit came amid multiple allegations of abuse from other women, prominently including the actor Reverend Rachel Wood. Manson, through his lawyer, has vehemently denied any and all claims of sexual assault or abuse of anyone. 
He also sued Wood for defamation, emotional distress and other crimes. He did not immediately comment on the new suit, which was filed under the New York Adult Survivors Act. So yeah, that's why we won't be playing Marilyn Manson and why we also won't be playing R. Kelly. Just one more thing to mention about this song before we move on, however. I don't know if anyone's been following the sexual abuse allegations around Rammstein, which I think, for legal reasons, I have to say that they have also denied. On the single for Mob Scene, it has remix of Marilyn Manson's Mob Scene. Yikes. It's like a shit sandwich, but if the bread was made of dog shit and then the filling was made of human shit. Marilyn Manson at number 13. Unlucky for some, in many ways. And unlucky for me, (laughs) to have to transition from that serious bit into number 12 and yet but here we are in its fifth week in the chart it's down from eight this week big brother's favorite things Those are a few of their favourite things, and that song is one of my favourite things. Unproblematic faves. Big Brother's there. I hope. Fingers crossed. I'm sure they are. I saw Booty Love perform once. It was the most chaotic half an hour I've ever experienced, but very enjoyable. And in case you're confused by that, Booty Love was a band that span off from Big Brothers and had hits on their own, including Shine, one of the best songs of the 2010s. And at number 11, she's three places ahead of her former Spice colleague in its second week on the chart. There is an irony, I think, to Emma beating Mel C in the chart this week, because On the Horizon, in many ways, does feel like the most Emma Bunton track that Melanie C ever produced. Very similar to Take My Breath Away or someone on Twitter compared it to What Took You So Long, which I don't necessarily hear, but certainly in trying to be Emma, she was out-Emmered. And if we want to get deeper into the career decisions of each of the solo Spice Girls, which a book deserves to be written and okay, I'll do it if you want me to. Any high-profile publishers out there, which I'm sure there are many, because Emma, with her second album, identified that there was a very 60s sound in the Spice Girls, if you think about something like Stop or The Lady is a Vamp. But she found a new angle on it, this kind of sexy Burt Bacharach kind of thing, which really paid off for her, as you can hear in Free Me. second week on the chart there at 11 down from number five so as mel c and emma made very clear there is no rivalry at all between the spice girls which i think actually on reflection is easy for mel to say because she has two number ones at this point compared to emma's one but still definitely no rivalry whereas in 2003 there was still a great rivalry that all of us would think about we were obsessed and if you think, oh, I wasn't obsessed with this, you were and you've just forgotten. One True Voice versus Girls Aloud. 
So they were the two bands that came out of Popstars The Rivals, a talent show that had multiple contestants get to a final, and then they were eliminated one by one until we were left with five boys and five girls. And then those two bands released a song the same week and tried to see who could get higher up in the chart. This was Christmas 2002, and as we all very well know, Girls Aloud beat One True Voice. Sound of the Underground got to number one. Sacred Trust got to number two. If you're interested in this era of pop, and if you aren't, I don't quite know why you're still listening, but that's fine. Girls Aloud's cover of Sacred Trust by One True Voice is available. I think the extended edition of there, The Sound of Girls Aloud Greatest Hits, yet we've yet to hear One True Voice's Sound of the Underground. I think because The Hague actually banned its releases as a war crime. Again, I want to do a speaking of war crimes, but I've done that transition so many times now that it's gone from being kind of tasteless to a catchphrase of the show, which I think might actually be worse. Four weeks ago, Girls Aloud released their second single, No Good Advice, got to number two, should have been a number one, was stopped from getting to number one by R. Kelly. Less about that, the better. One True Voice with their second song, Shakespeare's Way With Words, have tried to match the success of Girls Aloud and have failed miserably because Shakespeare's Way With Words is at number 10. There is good reason for that because it is one of the silliest and cheesiest songs of the decade. Really has to be heard to be believed, so let's hear it. I can be your Romeo, I want to be your hero. If I had Shakespeare's way with words, I would write a sonnet, put your name upon it, how can I be heard? In my heart I am a poet, don't know how to show it, if only I had Shakespeare's way with words. Yeah. Pause for shock there at those lyrics. So Tamsin Hargrave, another reviewer at Smash Hits, gave this three guitars out of five and said, You'd think after losing round one to Girls Aloud, the boys would raise their game a bit. Already harsh and brilliant. Well, this is an original song, and the vocals sound great. Mm, not sure about that. But while the tune isn't bad, the lyrics are a letdown, and could have been written by Pete Waterman's work experience boy. Not good. And yet again, three stars out of five. Definitely, there is a rule at the Smash Hits, obviously, you're not allowed to give less than three guitars out of five, I think. And they're right, it's not good, because they don't have Shakespeare's way with words, or as the single title ridiculously puts it, Shakespeare's, brackets, way with words of course me being me this did lead me to wonder what if they did have shakespeare's way with words and so i asked my good friend and by good friend i mean the thing i have wary trust in until it comes stabs me in the back and steals any chance i have of writing anything ever again professionally that's ChatGBT. and i asked it to write a version of shakespeare's way with words in shakespearean english so this is the First verse and chorus. Too shy to say I love you, can't tell you how I feel. This is the original lyrics. Don't ask, I can't explain it. I don't know why, but my lips are sealed. And then it goes on to the I can be your Romeo bit that we went to earlier. If you now allow us a dramatic recitation, trying to roll my R's there in an actually way, I've never actually been able to do it. This is a little bit of fan fiction about if One True Voice did have Shakespeare's way with words. Hark, too timorous to proclaim my love for thee. 
unable to express the depths within my heart, question me not, for I cannot expound the reason why my lips remain apart. I could be thy Romeo, fair and true, yearning to be thy valiant champion, not good with rhyming, ChatGPT. Had I the eloquence of Shakespeare's quill, a sonnet I would pen with thy name spun, how may I make my voice resound? A poet's soul resides within my breast, yet I lack the skill to make it known. Oh, if only I possess Shakespeare's zest. Yeah, I think I might have my job as a writer for another few years. I'm not sure it's quite captured Shakespeare there, but it worked for free, so can't criticise it too much and gave us 25 seconds of content. And really, that's all we can ask for in 2023. The most depressing sense I've ever said. So ChatGPT's embarrassing attempt at Shakespeare in English there cannot, however, compete with this Top of the Pops from 20 years ago in which one true voice performed Shakespeare's Away with Words in one of the most humiliating five minutes that anyone has ever endured on television. Not because of their performance of the song being bad, which it isn't. I mean, it is in that it's a performance of Shakespeare's Way with Words, which can <laughs> can never really get above three guitars out of five. But the way that One True Voice are treated on Top of the Pops is so awkward and so funny. So we'll put in a clip, but I'll take you kind of through the context. So first, Sarah Kaywood, who's one of the presenters this week, alongside Lisa Snowden, does her intro for One True Voice and mentions rumours that they're splitting up, literally as she stands about five metres in front of them. Lost out on their bid to be last year's Christmas number one after a highly publicised battle with Girls Aloud. And if that wasn't bad enough, there's now rumours of a band split. So, for possibly the last time, music lovers, want you boys. So, if that wasn't awkward enough, it then cuts after they perform to an interview in which a producer asks them whether they're breaking up. And one of the most awkward answers ever. So, let's hear that now. Are you splitting up? We're not really allowed to talk about that, to be honest. We're not being nasty, one true voice. Yeah, you're better on your own. Much better on your own. Well, we're not actually allowed to talk about anything about this, like a so-called split up. We don't want to say anything because whatever, whatever we say, it'll either get turned around or mashed up in papers. So we better. Yeah, like um, like whereas I compared us to the Beatles boys. Did you not know? Okay, so then, if that all wasn't completely humiliating enough, Lisa Snowden follows that up in her link to the next song and says that because the song was called Shakespeare's Way with Words, the bard is, quote, rolling in his grave. Backed by the sound of the bard revolving in his grave. That's one true voice. I do miss that, this kind of sarcastic style of presenting where they act like they're above the acts. Although it did lead to a toxic society in which we thought that we could just criticise pop stars online. It is funny. It's funny to watch. Poor One True Voice. Shakespeare's rolling in his grave and they are sitting at number 10 in what I believe is their last ever entry onto the UK Top 40. They just completely gave up the ghost after that. If you want to continue in this pop game, you had to do better than Shakespeare's way with words. And you can ask Justin Timberlake because he managed to... uh... This is a little fact, I don't know if you know this, but Justin Timberlake did actually have a more successful career than One True Voice. And the reason for that is because of songs like Rock Your Body, this week's number nine. 
that is down from number six in its fourth week in the chart there for Justin Timberlake. I was about to say I think it's maybe the worst of the singles from his first album, Justified. But then I remembered I'm Loving It, the song that he did in collaboration with McDonald's. Rock Your Body, a solid three guitars out of five there. And I don't mean that in the smash hits way of secretly you mean one guitar out of five. I mean an actual three out of five. Unlike number eight, an absolute legend of squeaky voice dance music actually going up one place in its second week it was at number nine last week and now it's at number eight this is xtm and dj chucky featuring anna fly on the wings of love Who doesn't love a rave panpipe? At number eight, Fly on the Wings of Love. And at number seven, Staying Firm from last week. In its fourth week on the chart, Get Busy by Sean Paul. A great song from Sean Paul there with Get Busy, but I have to move on because I've been so excited this whole podcast to talk about number six and the insane rabbit hole that it sent me on. Our next new entry, number six, Shania Twain's Forever and For Always. And I'm going to play it now so we can just then we have open runway to talk about one of the most unhinged collection of facts about a song that I've ever seen. I can stay right here forever in your arms. And there ain't no way I'm letting you go now. And there ain't no way. And there ain't no how I'll never see that day. Cause I'm keeping you forever and for always. So I know what you're thinking there. That's just a you know regular Shania Twain ballad. What's so weird about that? And in some ways, you're right. So this is the third track from Shania Twain's album, Up. And because this is a Shania Twain song, that is up with an exclamation mark, because this woman loves an exclamation mark. But the So the third single from that album, preceded by I'm Gonna Get You Good, I think, for my money, one of her absolute best singles, with the absolutely killer lyric, you're a fine piece of real estate and I'm gonna get me some land. And then the second single was Catching, with an exclamation mark, of course. Her anti-consumerist message with one of the best rhyme schemes of any song. It's a shame that it had already passed by the time we started this podcast, its 20th anniversary, because that's a definite poetry highlight of the week. Just a quick sample of the lyrics. We live in a greedy little world that teaches every little boy and girl, not quite, to earn as much as they can possibly and turn around and spend it foolishly. Yeah, wise words there from the woman who wrote the biggest selling album of the 90s so they were the first two singles from up and this one is the third of six singles so there's three more shania twain singles that we're going to hear 
from this album, I think. One thing you need to know about Shania Twain albums, if you're not familiar with her career, is that usually there is the pop version, which generally is the version that we hear in the UK, but she will also do a country version, because she was a country singer to begin with, and the country radio stations kind of like a different sound. So Up came in a red version, which was the pop version that you heard just now, and a green version, which was the country one. And you can hear a little bit of the difference here. So basically, just kind of a little bit more kind of fiddle to give it a more country sound. That's pretty standard, Shania Twain. But also, the thing about Up as an album is it had a blue version, which was Bollywood. I know you were thinking, I wonder what Shania Twain sounds like as Bollywood. That is it. Of course, we've talked about this a little bit before in the podcast, but this was a time there were two things that Pop decided it wanted to be in 2003. It either decided it wanted to be vaguely Spanish, like Gemini's Crybaby, which we heard earlier, or it decided to be vaguely Indian. Of course, we think of Gareth Gates' Spirit in the Sky as a classic example, and Bangra Nights' Hussan, which you've heard over the last few weeks. Shania Twain jumping on that bandwagon, even though she may be the least Indian person ever to have lived. What are you thinking? Yeah, that's a pretty weird thing about... Shania Twain, I'm glad you shared, but you said it was completely deranged, and I'm not sure about that, so I'm... But wait! Wait, wait, wait. The weird... The true weird thing hasn't come yet. When I am putting together these podcasts, I like to, at the very least, look at the Wikipedia page for each of the new singles to kind of see if there's any interesting facts there. So I went on the Forever and For Always Wikipedia page, and it features the following line. The song was also used for Febreze Scent Stories promotion in which Twain took part. So, okay never heard of that some sort of proto sponcon that could be kind of interesting i'll look into what febreze scent stories are there might be something in there and so i googled it and i came up with another web page which included the following lines so in 2004 shania teamed up with febreze scent stories to make a disc with her song forever and for always and different scents in return they donated okay this is this is the uh website's bad spelling uh they say hundred thousand dollar which i presume is a hundred thousand dollar to a food bank in case you missed it there, so she made a disc which featured that song and different scents. Yeah, a CD with scents on it. That's weird, isn't it? I thought, what, is it kind of like a scratch and sniff thing? Because obviously it's Febreze, so you get the disc and you scratch it and it smells of linen or something. You get the smell of linen and you listen to Forever and For Always. Sounds like a perfectly good afternoon. But that kind of raised more questions for me than it answered. Because I've never heard of a disc with scents on it before. And so I was like, what is this Febreze Scent Stories thing? And so then I found a eBay listing. Shania Twain Febreze Scent Stories, four-track promotional Region 1 DVD, produced to promote the Febreze Scent Stories range of air fresheners. Okay, makes sense. Scent Stories is a unique disc-playing system that play a special scent disc. As the displays, a quiet fan rotates through five scents, one every 30 minutes over the course of two and a half hours. This was used to promote a perfume CD player. That is the truly unhinged thing about this. In 2004, CDs was such a big thing that they were like, what if CDs but air freshener? 
And so you could buy special discs with scents on them. I already was like, okay, this is completely a deranged product that unsurprisingly features in a American museum that I now really want to visit called the Museum of Failures, which had a listing on its website for the scent stories thing where I got a lot of information. Already funny that Shania Twain had promoted this flop scent CD player. But then I watched this DVD that she released to promote Fabrice Scent Stories. And this episode has really been sponsored by cringe interviews because hearing Shania Twain have to show any enthusiasm for talking about scents is very funny. It's I didn't think it was possible for her to give any less than she did when she was a guest judge on Drag Race, but she manages it in these interviews. So let's hear her, her, Shania's wise words about scents. There's a fragrance to suit every mood, so... You know, if you just want to feel cheerful, then you can you can just choose a, a cheerful fragrance, summery fragrance. It's like music. Whatever mood you want to be in, you just put on the, uh, the right record, the right CD, and it's the same thing with fragrance. I mean, you just, you know, it's great to have a choice and pick it whatever scent you want to, to reflect your mood. Scent Stories. Push play and you're wandering barefoot on the shore. And so if that all wasn't crazy enough, Shania also did her own scent stories, quote unquote, CD, which included five different scents that conjured for her spring in scent form. And so those scents were, in classic kind of air freshener terminology, most of these are things that don't have any smell. Daffodils swaying in the breeze, doesn't have a smell. Hanging sheets on the line, no smell. Breezes through the window, no smell. Mouthwatering citrus, okay, I'll give her that that is a scent, although she's focused in the name on the taste of it which feels like a puzzling idea and then picking lily of the valley which again i guess lily of the valley has a smell but the act of picking it no smells a brilliant hilarious failure there on every level from shania twain amazing every every song should have a blue version that's just weirdly bollywood for no reason certainly our next song that could be an interesting addition to at number five another new entry for Electric Six with Gay Bar. many times before this show in many ways is just gay propaganda just celebrating gay people's love of pop music any gay listeners i have out there is that song homophobic i kind of am in two minds on it like a straight guy singing about a gay bar i guess inherently is problematic but it's kind of a celebration of having sex in a gay bar which uh is a gay rite of passage email us at the 2000s chart show at gmail.com or comment on our social media about how homophobic you think the song Gay Bar by Electric Six is. Number five there from Electric Six with their follow-up to Danger High Voltage, an absolute classic, which got to number two in January 2003. These are two of Electric Six's four UK Top 40s. They will have hits coming up with Dance Commander and Radio Gaga. Keep an eye out for those. Also, while you're keeping an eye out, have a look at the video for Gay Bar. It's not as as classic as the Danger High Voltage one where people's genitals light up when they get aroused. But the gay bar video is just a load of 
people dressed as Abraham Lincoln doing various gay things. Very funny. In case you wondered where the song Gay Bar came from, no, it didn't come from going to a gay bar because that was pretty much illegal for straight people in 2003. It was a better time. According to the lead singer of Electric Six, the idea for the song came up from incorrectly hearing the lyrics of Devo's Girl You Want as It's Just a Girl, It's Just a Girl at a Gay Bar, which he heard when the song was playing in a very loud nightclub. The actual lyric, in case you're wondering, was She's Just a Girl, She's Just a Girl, The Girl You Want. Very much a common experience that many gay men have had is when your parents discover that you've been looking at certain adult content on the internet and they kind of confront you and you have to like very quickly think of a lie about why you might be looking at this kind of content. Oh, well, computer has a virus. My friend made me do it. Something like that. Saying that you came up with the song Gay Bar because you misheard the lyrics to Go You Want by Devo in a club has very much that kind of energy. It's like you have to very thinkly think of an outlandish excuse about because your mum discovered you wrote a song called Gay Bar. Your mum's like, so there's this line here that says, I've got something to put in you. And you're like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm actually doing a school project about... um. Um, about Russia, yeah, yeah, it says I've I've got something for Putinio. Don't really believe you there, lead singer of Electric Six. I think you just went to a gay bar and that's fine. Another fun fact about Gay Bar by Electric Six. There are two censored versions of the song. The bit of the song that goes, let's start a war, let's start a nuclear war at the gay bar. Let's start a war! Start a nuclear war! Of course, as we know from weirdly all the episodes of this podcast so far, this was the war in Iraq. So they decided to censor for the radio edit the lines war and nuclear. In the American radio version, you would get let's start a whoosh with a whip sound. Let's start a whoosh for instead of the lyrics. Let's stop. Stop. And then I think more cleverly, the Japan radio version. Let's do an edit. Which is actually funny. Weird. Says a lot, I think, about 2003 that you couldn't mention nuclear war. But the line, I've got something to put in you in the gay bar. That was fine. No one thought there was anything uh, adult in that. So Electric Six, nothing adult in them wanting to put something in you in the gay bar. And there's certainly nothing adult in the career of S Club 7, who are at number four this week with Say Goodbye and Love Ain't Gonna Wait For You. We talked about Say Goodbye last week when it was at number two in the chart. And this week we're going to talk about Love Ain't Gonna Wait For You in a large part because that was the song they played on Top of the Pops this week. And it's a very funny performance because it's so obvious that Joe is singing live and everyone else is miming. So let's hear a little bit of that as to celebrate this song. Great work, Joe. Everyone else doing great dance moves, but not giving in the vocal department. In fact, it's worth tracking down this performance online because you'll even see that Bradley mimes doing an ad lib that is actually not in this version of the song. So very funny. You could say almost that they're like making a mockery of the fact that you had to mime on top of the pots, which a lot of artists have done 
over the years, but uh, that may be giving S Club 7 too much credit. Even though they do deserve some for this song, because I actually think Love Ain't Gonna Wait For You is one of their best and probably their most underrated of their singles. In their second week, Say Goodbye, Love Ain't Gonna Wait For You by S Club at number four, and Holding Firm at number three from last week. Buster Rhymes and Mariah Carey's I Know What You Want. Passionate way, love the way you touch it, those little elaborate ways. Got the guard feeling released to relax for the day it's on you. Baby, if you give it to me, I'll give it to you. I know what you want, you know I got it. Baby, if you give it to me, I'll give it to you. As long as you want, you know I got it. Baby, if you give it to me, I'll give it to you. Mommy, listen. Shh, mommy, listen, indeed. Mariah Carey at her absolute breathiest there. Any breathier and she'd be like ghost of Christmas past. She'd actually stop having corporeal form and just become an abstract spirit. So good thing that she didn't get any breathier than that in her collaboration with Buster Rhymes. Buster Rhymes, of course, following a thread of this show. That is Buster Rhymes' real name. He was born to the Rhymes family. No, he wasn't. Although I'm having to Google it now, so maybe I will actually be shocked and his name is Buster Rhymes. No, it is Trevor George Smith Jr. I can see why he wanted to be called Buster Rhymes as a performing artist. So that, maintaining its position from last week, I Know What You Want by Buster Rhymes and Mariah Carey. And so that means there are only two places left. We have Ignition Remix by He Who Shall Not Be Named. And we have Evanescence, Bring Me to Life. We could finally see the end of Ignition Remix at number one. So let's talk about Evanescence's Bring Me to Life. So this is actually its fourth week on the chart. It started at number 79, then it went to number 60, and then it went to number 64. Not a good chart run so far, but it's, you know, vaulted up the chart at least 60 places. On Top of the Pops this week, they give a description of what the song is about, and it's about the realest thing I've ever heard. Bring Me to Life, it's about, we kind of go through our lives sometimes, ending up feeling really numb. You know, we just get up, eat breakfast, go to work, come home and go to bed. And, you know, there's no passion in it until something happens that makes you realise. Yeah, if you're not having a slight existential crisis now, you're made of harder stuff than me. Evanescence, the name, is the fact of disappearing quickly from sight or memory. Very risky thing to name your band, seeing as so many bands disappear quickly from sight or memory, a.k.a. AAA or D-side. I learned that fact about Evanescence, by the way, from Buzz, the music quiz, the amazing... PS2 game, which was a kind of quiz show that you played with buzzers that you plugged into the PS2. Really, Buzz the Music Quiz is a foundational text to this podcast because without that, I would know basically nothing about music. And so thank you to the makers of Buzz. And thank you for Evanescence. Another fun fact about this song. It was initially interpreted to be religious. It actually charted in America in the Christian rock charts briefly before it was taken away. I kind of love that, that for a song to chart in the Christian rock charts, People just have to believe it's religious. And then someone's like, wait a minute, this isn't about Jesus at all. And then it just disappears. So which one of those songs is going to be number one? Well, I can reveal that at number two in its fifth week on the chart is R. Kelly's Ignition Remix. As C.C. Peniston so famously said, yeah, finally, R. Kelly is gone from the top of the charts. Unfortunately, there are nine more R. Kelly songs to come on the 2000s charts, including another number one. So he is going to still hang on like a scourge. But we, for now, can move on and hear a new number one. On this podcast so far, we've had 
as number ones. You Said No by Busted, Loneliness by Tom Craft, Ignition Remix by R. Kelly, and now Evanescence Bring Me to Life. But before we hear that, as ever, please like, rate, review us on all podcast providers. I'm doing this out of the, I wouldn't say the kindness of my heart, but really a kind of compulsion to talk about the music of the noughties. And so any praise you can give me will be appreciated. I guess whatever the nicest way of saying is, please praise me, please, please, then do that in a totally non-desperate, cool way, okay? If you want more content from the 2000s, and why the hell wouldn't you? We are at Instagram, at the 2000s chart show, and we are at Twitter, at 2000s chart so no they're there, because Elon wouldn't give us one. You can also email us at the 2000s chart show at gmail.com, share your reminiscences of the chart, give me free tickets to various 2000s gigs if you're so inclined. Offer me obscure 2000s celebrities to interview. All of these things are available and all of these things we hope to do as we build the audience of this podcast. So thank you again for listening, celebrating with us an incredible decade for music. (laughs) 